going on, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the Porto Podcast in English. This is episode number 45. I'm your host, Rui dos Santos, and I'm here as always with Jason Regu. Jason, I feel like it actually, I'm not, I feel like it has been forever. It's been about a month since we last recorded. A lot's been, uh, been going on and whatnot. So, uh, I mean, it's been a bit of a hiatus. How you been the last uh, month or so? Been busy, man. You know how life gets. Um, just, just watching uh, what's unraveling at Porto from afar and just trying to stay positive. I mean, I know we still got the three points and uh, things they could be worse, but it's still just not pretty inside and outside off the pitch too. Yeah, I feel you, man. Yeah, so uh, I mean, guys, we apologize for being on a hiatus the last month or so. It's I know we've been putting out tweets that we're going to record, we're going to record, and we never pulled the trigger. Uh, you know, I've been battling some sort of weird flu for like the last three weeks, and I've been on and off from feeling good. So it's been hard to find a day when I'm feeling good, and then find a day when you know we both can get on here and record. So uh, we're finally here after a month. So I'm super excited. There's so much to talk about. Um, you know, we missed about, I mean, the last, since the last episode, it's been like five games. So, uh, I mean, there's, we're not going to cover all of them. We're going to do the most recent ones, but let's touch up a, a little bit on the whole debacle at the uh, general assembly that happened last night. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot more information that's going to come out within the next couple of days. So there was a general assembly that took place. At, uh, at the Porto facilities, I guess it was at the auditorium originally, but since there were such long lines, they ended up moving it to the arena where the basketball team and the, and the hockey team play, and all hell broke loose over there, and it ended up being suspended and postponed to this coming Monday. I don't think any of the SAD expected the long lines and the amount of people attending this this event and all hell broke loose, man. From what I, from what I can understand, fans were trying to get their point across, and I guess the super dragons or whatever didn't like the criticism that was going up against Pinto da Costa, and then everything just broke out. I know there's going to be more information that comes out eventually, and uh, I, I guess they were going to do some votings as well to to make some changes among the club and everything. And there's a lot of a. Uh, speculation and conspiracy theories as to why uh all those changes were brought up to a vote but we'll you know we'll we'll wait until everything uh, hashes out what do you what do you have to say about all this jason i don't know i i feel like we've we've touched upon this in the past i, I think it's it's time that we see change happen and unfortunately the the old porto or whatever you want to call it whoever's in charge is just they're resisting it as much as they can they go into the graveyard with this and it's not looking pretty. Like I said, we're, and like you said, we, we're going to have to wait and see how this unravels, see, see the facts, see um, how the hysteria, what, what actually happened, right? What, what's going on. But uh, it, it really looks like the old Porto is just trying to hold on and grasps and just stay in control. But uh, I, I would love to see someone like Andre Villajbuish take over because we, we need it. We need yeah. change and it, it's got to start from the top. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I agree with that. I mean, as much as I love Pinto the Kosh and what he has brought to this club, he put this club on the map, bringing two Champions Leagues, a couple of Europa Leagues, building really good squads. You know, it, I guess we can say that 
Porto was one of the first Moneyball clubs that first, you know, they were the first club to reach a billion euros in sales and player sales. Um, you know, Porto, Porto have been put on the map due to Pinto de Costa and everything, but I feel like just like any other great dynasty or whatever, it all comes to an end and usually it ends up, you know, caving in within. <laughs> so uh, as much as I appreciate everything he's done, he's done a great job. He's one of the greatest presidents ever, but I think his time is up in my opinion. And I think we need to have a fresher face, a newer person with fresh ideas and an identity that's completely different. Um, one that's much more modern. So, and one that doesn't, I don't know, this is all stuff that's been lingering around for a long time that doesn't help out its friends uh, and help their pockets get bigger or what or whatnot. So um, whatever, whatever it is out there, I think it's, I think it's time for a change. Uh, and I think Porto definitely needs it. And I think that's the route that we need to go. And I feel like a lot of Portistas are starting to feel that way, that they, we need a newer person, a younger person to take over the club and guide us in a different direction. <clears throat> but yeah, I just want to give a couple of shout outs to, uh, uh, to Mitchell at Tripeiro Nation and Migu Papa Tango for sending us some info. I think we're going to do a special episode this week, depending on how the information unfolds. And we'll just do an episode dedicated to all this. So I want to give both of them a shout out for kind of helping us out, sending us some, some information and some tweets and some articles that, that were really informative. So uh, shout out to you guys. And regarding this topic, we have a cu- we have three Twitter questions, and one of them actually is from Mitchell. He asked thoughts on the elections and the farce that is today's general assembly. Um, so, what are your thoughts for the uh, upcoming election? Uh, I think that Pintakosha is going to find a way to to cling on another year, and I'm, I'm just hoping this isn't career suicide for. Andre Village Bouge. Um, like I said, I, I do want Pinto Costa out. I have nothing but respect for him. I think what he's done for the club is amazing. He's going to go down in history as Porto's greatest president of all time. There's no question about it. But I think his his reign is up. But um, I I do I really I hate to say it, but the way the Portuguese are and just the way things are run there, I I have a feeling he's going to find a way to just cling on for another year. Mm-hmm. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, right? I mean, yeah, uh, I mean that is uh, that is one of the, I mean that movie that's from the movie The Dark Knight, and that quote couldn't be any more real. Not just in this situation, but how do you feel about it? Do you think uh, do you think he's starting to become the villain? I think in a lot of the modern Portista fans, I, I think so for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe there's some loyalty with the old school Portistas. It's like, oh, you can just never get rid of him. Like when his time's up, he'll decide. But I just don't think that's how it should be. There comes a time your mind just isn't what it was. And um, we all decline. We're human. And I, th- I think his time has, has come, I would say, since the Lopetegui days. Yeah. He's needed to be pushed out since Lopetegui in my, in my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. The whole situation of getting us into ffp and even just the way we we handled business on just our player sales in recent years has been absolutely ridiculous the last four or five years it's been it's been absurd uh the amount of money that these players left our club um you know it should have been two or even three times more than that it's embarrassing especially when a team needs the money and we survive this way selling players 
uh, and making it to the Champions League, this is it's important to to maintain that and how he didn't how he didn't progress from what we once were and what we were known for. It's just mind boggling. So I totally, totally agree. Uh, a couple of questions. They're all pretty much the same regarding all this. Carlos at Carlos um, at Carlos underscore a one three eight. What are your thoughts on what happened yesterday for the Porto AG meeting? I love Pinto the Costa, but after what happened yesterday, I hope a new president is elected and I hope it will be one. So, uh, so one that will be able to clean house. I'm also very disappointed in the super Dragoinj. our friend, ACM 87 at FCP 87 asks, can you sign, uh, can you shine some light on what happened at the assembly tonight? So, um, yeah, I, I feel like this is the, you know, it, it's the consensus among all the Porto fans. They're just feeling that it's, it's, it's time. We respect and love everything about Pinto de Costa, what he has done for this club, how he loves this club and always defended this club. Um, but, you know, all good things have to like come to an end and we don't want to see him become the villain, even though he's, I don't want to say that he is the villain, but he's slowly starting to be an unpopular figure. So, um, I don't know. This is going to be a crazy, you know, like how like the U.S. elections are like almost every single time it comes around the presidential elections, like this is the most important election, uh, you know, in our lifetime. Like I, I'm starting to get that vibe in 2024. Like this is the most important election of our lifetime as Portistas. Like who will be the next president uh, is definitely, you know. It, it, I think it's going to be much closer than ever, and I think it's going to be the most important because I think the future of our club is going to kind of depend on this. At least that's my take. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think we've been kind of stale in the past couple of years. I feel like, I don't know, it's almost like there's years where it doesn't even, we have transfer markets. It doesn't even look like we knew what we were doing or if we, or if we had any plan at all. Yep. And then there's... Like there's years like, oh, yeah, we bought these guys, but it, it really doesn't look like the coach is content with what he got. And I mean, what you said of this season, like he's doing so much with so little. Like right. he's just, he doesn't have a complete team. And I feel like Sergio probably had one season with a complete team. And like it, it was complete because the potential panned out. But right. he, he just, I don't know. And we got, we got lucky like too. Just, we got yeah. we got lucky to that Wolves never picked up Vitinha, yeah. you know, and it, it, things just worked out and they played in our favor. But I mean, a lot of credit has to go to Sergio. Uh, yeah, I think two absolutely. of the titles that he won, he really had to really really work for it. And the title from two years ago, that was just incredible. We had a very good team, and he was able to put that team together and just take off. Like I like when was the last time prior to that season? where we actually had a stress-free season, you know? The it, Hulk, Hulk and Falcon days? Seriously, yeah, it was like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andre Village Village? Yeah, well, when was, yeah, when did Benfica start going on their title? Was it 2014, their their streak? So I want to say 2013, if that. I can't even remember. I can't even remember how that season went. So, uh, <laughs> so that's how long ago. So I need, we need to have a, we need to have another stress-free season coming up because this is just, it's just too much. It's too crazy. So, but anyway, 
that's it for the assembly talk. I know there's more and whatever that's going to be coming out. And I'm sure we missed a couple of details as well. But I think we're going to do a little special episode this week with a guest talking about everything and going really in detail about what led up to all this and what actually went on. And we'll see how that goes. All right. So like we said in the beginning of the show, we missed quite a few of the games. It's I think it was five games since we last recorded. So uh, we had that great win against Antwerp in the first meetup when we won four to one, uh, then followed by a, Viz- uh, a, a victory over Vizela two to nothing. And then just when we thought everything was coming together, we were playing some good football. We had a comfortable win in the league finally against Vizela after a dominating performance against Antwerp. We lose to Sturil in the last place team in the league in a really dramatic and frustrating way. Uh, a free kick goal, no goals for us at all, like not finding the back of the net. Those problems come back again. Um, and then we do rebound against Antwerp, and it wasn't really the the best the best performance despite winning 2 nothing, We had to rely on Pep in the 90th minute, 41 years old, to get that consolation goal and put that game away. So, Jason, uh, among those games, what do you what do you have to say about uh, our performances? I mean, can't be disappointed with our Champions League points. Um, <laughs> I, like like we said before, we we definitely we needed that Barcelona one. It would have felt a little more comfortable. But if we if we put Shakhtar away, obviously it's it's clinched. But uh, I mean, there's not like there's nothing to be happy about aside from us just getting three points in these matches. But other than that, you can't say we're impressed with the way we're playing. Um, definitely not with the way the strikers are playing. We have no distinguished striker in terms of goal scored. Like we have five guys with two goals scored. We have no one that's carrying the team in terms of goals. <laughs> we have ten different goal scorers. <laughs> with and altogether the club only has 15 goals and we're we're just barely scraping by these wins so and the, these are extra time wins it's just uh, when this luck runs out eventually i mean we, yeah. we need more convincing wins yeah um i mean you're absolutely right and it's you, you look at the amount of games that we played and as you mentioned our top goal scorer is two Okay, and, <laughs> Five guys. and this is this is just in the league because even Nielsen has four in the Champions yes. League. I'm not really yeah, complaining yeah. too much on how we play in the Champions League. It's a different yep. competition. The opposition is completely different. They're not parking the bus. They're not playing anti jogo for the most part, right? Um, yep. So that's that's okay. Even though there's some frustrating parts that happen in the Champions League, but we'll get to that. It's been six games when Marcano Marcano's been out, and he is tied. For the most goals, yeah, on our team, uh, it's not dude. Good. That's it's not. Uh, I it's, it's unacceptable. And you want to yeah. you want me to put some more like salt on the wound? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you right now. Uh, our left back position has just as many goals. One goal from Wendell, one goal from uh, Zaidu, and yeah. they each scored when we were down one to nothing. Uh, I'm telling you, it's that's a scary stat. Like, don't get me wrong, we we do have the least amount of goals allowed, but it's only about one goal. Benfica only has nine allowed, and they've they've scored more than us. <clears throat> right. So, like, yeah, hats off to Duo Costa, and there should be less goals allowed because that guy's been playing lights out. But uh, unfortunately, we've let him down multiple times. 
Yeah, and I mean, in the, in the game, in just this past weekend, we'll we'll touch up on that in just a bit. He was fantastic, Diego Costa. Absolutely, he saves fantastic. the PK and almost makes the second save right. on the rebound. But you know, unfortunately, he couldn't get his shutout on the day. And he, he has what three shutouts at the moment, I believe, and he should have more. But yeah, he should have more. And 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 I don't even know how to describe our defense because you know, statistically, like you said. Uh, we have the least amount of goals let up, uh, but it, it it doesn't feel that way. I feel like we're not really as secure back there as you know as the stats kind of show. And even just the the quality goals that we just let up, it's not like it's it's not like that Shakhtar goal that they scored in the first game of the Champions League, where it was like beautiful execution. We're just like giving these 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 BS goals away, just not paying attention, fundamental mistakes. It's almost in every single game. I like it. Like it feels like we have Swiss cheese defense where we have holes everywhere, and it's easy for them to, to the opposition to come into, come into our box or just get shots off or whatever it is. But we're just giving away these goals at the same time. I just can't even explain uh, the defense. Am I wrong for saying that? What do you think? No, I, I agree. I, th- I think. Uh, a main factor in that is the fact that we have aging center backs, right? They're obviously Marcano was injured for the season and Pep just got hurt too. So, I mean, you, if you see, if you look at our back line, it's con- consistently changing, which is a problem. So, like I said, the overcoach has been lights out. So he, he's definitely a <laughs> contributing factor to the, those low amount of goals scored. But um, us, us with our injury woes and, the consistently changing of the the back four, those are just scary things to to have to face through a season. Like how long can you endure that until the dam breaks and the flood comes in? Right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And, and just think about, think about the amount of goals that you had to let up when it was just like, dude, what do I do? Uh, I feel like, I don't know, 80% of the goals, like maybe six out of the eight goals, we just left them out to dry. They were either penalties or we just left them out to dry where he couldn't do anything for them. For them. You know, it's, yeah. it's got to be frustrating on his part. And then when you see the performance that he had uh, against Guimaraes, this game could have been over in the first half in Guimaraes' favor. It could have been two or three nothing easily. Yeah, they all played us. And uh, it was on every end of the of football. Yeah. Fortunately, we came through with the victory, but it's it was a scary one. Yeah, definitely. So let, let, let's just touch up on the, uh, just go straight into the Guimarães game. Uh, so Andre Silva scores from the penalty spot after a João Mario handball, which I don't even know what the hell he was doing on that. Um, Zaidu, yeah, that of, all, <laughs> of all people, responds in the 39th <laughs> minute just before halftime. I think that was a crucial, with, crucial goal. Yep. Very. And with an assist from Chico, too. So Yeah, exactly. Yep. And that was the yeah. goal that we needed. It was a beautiful needed. cross, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then got us right Shiku. back in the game. Uh, could, yeah, because if you, I mean, just recall the first half. Think about how much chaos was going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, dude, we, we we were talking during that first half, and we're just like, dude, this is complete chaos. We can't, we can't get a solid footing in this game, and they're just keeping us on our toes, and they're just exposing us. Yeah, it seemed like uh, like we were sinking in quicksand. While they were just running around us, it they were making, they were making life difficult for us. They were getting, they were beating us in the middle of the pitch. They were just outplaying us. We were Sergio was completely out coached in the first half, um, and yeah. luckily we were able to. Luckily, Diego Costa was 
was able to make some great saves. And another frustrating part before the Andres Silva goal, even Nielsen missed a great opportunity as well. Credit to to Bruno Varela for making a great save, but you know, these are times like where we just need these goals to just go in. Um, yep. And we just we just don't get them. And I feel, and this is where this is how games change. Just one big save or one big miss, it can change the whole game around. And just imagine if we did get that goal early on, it would have just stunned Guimarães, and maybe it would have just changed the the entire trajectory of the game. So these moments are just so crucial to to take advantage of, and we just don't. Um, so jumping into the second half, going into into halftime, we were so fortunate. We were lucky to get that goal uh, or to be level. Actually, the goal was brilliant. I thought Shiku, as you said, what an absolute beautiful cross. And I don't know what this kid has been on in the last few weeks, but I feel like he's been the most consistent player that we've had in the last three or four games. He's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And then he just makes the most of his opportunity, getting the starting uh, spot once again in this game. You know, Teremi was start of the game on the bench. So we have to look for players uh, to step up. And he stepped it up in the first half with a beautiful cross. And then he takes this game and just gets his moment and puts the ball away, giving us that goal. And you can just tell from that celebration that he that that he gave to everyone, to all the Dragoins that were at the stadium. He just kept screaming, vamos, vamos, vamos. You know, that's that's what we need. That's that grinta that um, that sorry, I'm like speaking Italian here, uh, that gara that we need to see out of these players. And I think that was a big, big spark. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, for the players on the pitch, aside from the goalkeeper, because uh, obviously Del Costa was man in the match. Uh, Chiku was our, our bright spot, man. He's the only yeah. one. He, he kept the attack going. <clears throat> he kept pushing forward and he had an assist and a goal in this game. And if we if we don't start and we give him ten minutes, I don't know if we walk away in this match with the victory. Yeah, I just don't, I don't see it. I'm glad he's finally starting. I, I've been saying it for podcasts and podcasts that this kid deserves to start. Stop giving this ten minute crap. Let this kid uh, heat up and actually play a game. Yeah, and, uh, I, thankfully so. And you know, I I held my tongue on a few episodes when you know we just. Over the games, Sheik was only getting like five or ten minutes here and there. And I know you mentioned, like, I think he's our best player coming off the bench. I think he's talented. He's all this and that. And me, I'm like, I don't know about that. And then <laughs> kid finally gets his, his spot and it gets his opportunities. And I, I like the way he's been playing. And call me crazy, but I'm not saying he's messy. But that goal that he scored... It was just so nice because it was so simple and it looked a lot like what Messi always does because Messi's not this creative, uh, flamboyant dribbler like Neymar or prime Cristiano Ronaldo was. He just makes these simple, simple, easy dribbles that just gets by people and it's so smooth and it goes right into the back of the net. He gets that opportunity. I really liked what I saw from him. I think, I don't know, they call him the the Messi of Olival or they at least called him that. I'm not saying he is, but... <laughs> There's a there's a little bit of a, a similarity. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what he did in this game is exactly what we expect from Galeno each and every match. You know, when you get frustrated with Galeno's decision-making, I think Chiku's decision-making is very consistent. You kind of – he makes the right call over and over again, even if it's very simple. It's just 
he gets a lot of these consistent just decisions right over and over. And I, I think this is where we get frustrated with Galeno. Like we, we feel like he's not being productive enough because he's just not making the right decision yeah. each and every time, even if he's not pressured. I just feel like Chiku made so many of the right decisions in this game and it just it compounded and it was it was apparent yeah. that he was he was doing the right thing over and over again. Yeah. And one of the most underrated parts of his game, his pressing and his defense a little bit. You know, uh, he, when, he, he has so much energy, he's not afraid. He just goes after it, right? When he loses the ball, he, he's right back on that guy, man. Yeah. He doesn't give up. I, I absolutely love that about him. And don't get me wrong, Galeno does that a lot too, but Shiku yeah. has this little bit of burst where he, he's right on the guy immediately. Yeah, super shifty, quick. He's like a little Tasmanian devil out there. I, I love that energy. Whether he has absolutely. the ball or he's off the ball, it's it's good. I like what I've seen from him, and I don't know. Let's see where... Well, I guess I'll just ask you this now. Um, based on his recent performances, do you think he should have a starting spot over Pepe? Or is there a way that you can see Pepe, Galeno, and Chico on the field at the same time? Yeah, I think you just get Pepe a little more central. I think we need an attacking guy in that central role. We've been lacking it. And uh, we definitely need it for sure. Yeah, it's just it's it's apparent that that we're missing that in our game. Like th this creativity, is just not there. And if we can get Pepe in that central role and just kind of let him, just be creative, right? Just that's the only thing he has to focus on. I think that's what we need to let him do. Maybe that helps Tademi out a little bit. Maybe Tademi stops dropping so deep. Maybe that's why he's looking so sluggish. I don't I don't know, but. Like, like you know, I've been so disappointed with Tadami this season. I, I really wish we, we made that deal with AC Milan. I, I didn't care how much they wanted to give us. I think we just needed to let him go. Yeah. Because it almost feels like he's holding us back this season. Yeah. And, I mean, and maybe at the same time we held him back. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a two-way street in this. He's given the club a lot. I think it was just time to let the guy go. Yeah, I, I, I'm starting to think so too. And I thought... You know, I, I, I was happy and not happy because, you know, I, I want to get the most out of a player like that. Like we talked about, we could have gotten, you know, 15, 18 or 20 million uh, for Teremi, a 31-year-old last year of his contract. You know, just get just get the cash. We have replacements. This is how we function as a club. But then again, I was like, you know, we have a really loaded team and having Teremi, like if he comes back and has all these players around him, He'll get back to his normal self. We'll have a really good team. Maybe we can do a, a big run into the Champions League, and it would be worth keeping him at that point. But now it just – we were kind of rolling the dice there. So, yeah, super frustrating. I, think, I really feel like he's been a hindrance for our club. Yeah. We, we know what he's capable of. He's just – he hasn't brought it in any game this season, not one. Yeah. So what do you think? Do we go with a striker duo – or do we go with a, a lone striker? And who would you have? I mean, there? depends depends who's up there, right? If you if you're gonna continue to start even Nilsson, he's gonna need somebody with him. He the guy can't play striker alone. He's not strong enough. He's not fast enough. Like it, he he screams duo striker all day every day because the guy knows how to play football. He's a very good footballer, but him being on an island by himself, he's never gonna be able to take two center backs on. Yeah. So with Pep being injured, as you mentioned, he got picked up another injury. Marcano is obviously out for the season. You can't be surprised given the age of both of them, and you can't expect them to be playing 
all 34 games in the regular season, plus the Champions League, plus the Tassas and all that stuff. So we're left with Zepedro, Cardoso, and Carmo. Do we get another center back or two in January? Yeah, I think we need at least one. Um, I don't know. He's got to be middle-aged, right? He's got to be at least of the age 24 with some some games under his belt. I mean, preferably probably from our league because that's the affordable like solution. Yep. But uh, yeah, I think I mean I think it's a non. I don't think there's a no negotiating. We we need one. Like how how much longer are we gonna, we're going to rely on Pep and Marcano? Like we we knew this was going to happen. It just it is what it is. It's their age. They can only play so many games, and we're seeing even with managing their minutes, they're still gonna they're still prone to injury at the end of the day. Yeah. Like Pep, like he, his rating in our games when he plays full games, he's typically one of the higher rated guys and. It's no accident, but we can't rely on him. <laughs> the time is ticking. Yeah, absolutely. When he's healthy, he's still great at his age, but that assurance of him not getting hurt, you know, it's we can't be too confident in that. So it's unfortunately, as you say, time is ticking, and age getting older doesn't help his case. So hopefully it's a speedy recovery. Uh, we need him regardless because the rest that we have left, Pedro Cardoso, I've been liking Carmo, but the other two, I we cannot have them as our starters for the rest of the season. It just, no, we need better. We are much better than that. And I think in January, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a 31 or a 32-year-old or even a mid-20s. I don't care. We just need someone that has some sort of experience that has some sort of quality that can just fill in the shoes, and then we can figure out a replacement in the summertime. It has to happen. All right. Let's move on to the Twitter questions. We got quite a few of them. Uh, our first question comes from Uncle Sharma at our Sharms. Which player are you most afraid of losing in the upcoming transfer windows? Hmm. I mean, in the past, I would definitely say Galanu. But uh, with his current, his recent performances, I don't think he'll be leaving just yet. So the most, the player I'm most nervous about losing would probably be, I mean, I guess Varela, because he's been very consistent for us. I know he's not flashing lights, a flashy player, but I mean, he's so consistent each and every game. Yeah. For me, it's Diogo Costa, man. We have the. I know, the, but the, uh, we we accepted that he was going to leave already. You know what I mean? So no, mentally, no, I'm not right now. <laughs> listen, <laughs> let, yeah, okay. Listen, in the summer, we, I was thinking the yeah. same thing. Like, if he leaves in January, actually, no, because if he leaves in January, it's because things are going really bad. Yeah, and if he leaves in January, I'm oh, devastated. Shit, man. But if he leaves at the end of the season, I've accepted that already. He's just too oh, good. at the end of the se- no, no, the, the yeah. upcoming oh January. January. Let, let's say yeah, January, man. <laughs> we gotta oh. finish this. I'm all set with. <sighs> I'm 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 ready. I'm all prepared. I got my bags checked and ready. That Yugoslavia is leaving at the end of the season. I'm okay with that. I've accepted that. Yes, but I in can't. January, I can't fathom him. I cannot fathom him leaving January. Our, oh. our team would. We would be devastated. We would drop to third or fourth place by the end of the season, no matter what. Like we wouldn't even have a fight. Dude, chance. we'd be we'd be fighting with fucking Kimarange for for the <laughs> conference league. <laughs> no, it's it's no that's no lie. That, that is one hundred percent factual. There, there's no debating that. Yeah, man. That that yeah, that match at the Dragon. 
if, you know, demonize your support, that would, be, that would be an epic one who gets to play in the conference league. <laughs> and we have like Samuel Portugal in that. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. All right. Enough of that. Let's, uh, here's a positive question from our friend Joe Cappuccino at uh, Joe underscore Cappuccino underscore. You're on death row. What is your last meal? A cajada nata and an espresso. An espresso. Okay. Yeah, those two. Now, for me, uh, it's got to be a de marisco, like okay. fully loaded. <laughs> and I need the best one. I don't know from where. It could be from Ramiro in Lisboa or uh, what is that called up in uh, Matuzinhos? Uh, Marisqueira. Yeah, Marisqueira Antiga in Matuzinhos. Yeah, I'll go over there. So a nice arroz de marisco for me. That's my favorite dish of all time. Football Ferreira at Foot Ferreira. Do you believe Porto can finish top of their group over Barcelona in the Champions League? What do you think? Yeah, they can. It's not going to be easy. Barcelona is struggling at the moment. They're going through. I mean, their, their team just looks like it's in shambles. It looks like they have some internal conflict going on on the pitch, too. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we, we really needed to win that one at home. There's no reason that we didn't that we lost that one. But, I mean, it's going to be tougher to go to them and win, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I, I we totally, can do it. I totally but, agree with that. And, yeah. I mean, we played really well against them. We just couldn't yeah. finish or get that golden opportunity. But Barcelona's defense this year isn't as great as it was last year. Their defense last year was dynamite. But um, our forwards are not scoring goals. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. So, the, I, con- And I feel yeah. like we're playing much better in the Champions League than we are in the league. And Absolutely. I think a lot of that has to do with when we play a team that wants to just play football and not just park the bus or whatever, we do well. I mean, even when we lose against Benfica, uh, there's times where we're playing great against them. And I think, you know, the Super Thassa in the beginning of the season, the first half we played great. We just couldn't score. So... Um, doesn't mean that we're going to win, but I like our chances when we're actually allowed to play and we look much more like a team. So, um, I'm kind of with you on this though. I think, uh, I, I don't see us beating them at the comp. No, I think we had to win at the Dragon or at the minimum draw, at least to have a chance. I think Barcelona takes the group. <clears throat> CDB at CD Baruch eight. Do you think Benfica will go 100% in the Champions League as they did five years ago? And if so, will it allow them to concentrate on the league and stay ahead of us? Or will it demoralize them to the point where they end up in third or fourth at the end of the season? Are they going to lose all six games again? It's looking like it. It's really bad, though, for the Portuguese coefficient. I'm disappointed, Benfica, man. Like, as much as... I have hatred for him. I dislike him, whatever you want to call it. But this is terrible for the Portuguese coefficient. But yeah, I really think they're not going to win a game in the Champions League. They look terrible. Um, yes, it will allow them to focus on the league. I don't think it will hinder their league performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. They, 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 they're another team. They're, they're not convincing. They, they did just beat Sporting with, an, with Sporting shooting themselves in the foot, getting a nice red card, similar to what Porto did. Um, I don't, I don't think they beat Sporting with eleven men, but hey, that's how the game flowed and that's how it went, yep. and they would manage that win. It kind of worked in our favor, even though I was I'd rather see Sporting win that game, 
but um, it looks like we have a race at the top, and it's it's within Porto's grabbing of three points now. So, yeah. but yeah, I, I do think they're gonna end the Champions League with zero points, and they'll be able to focus on the league. So we'll we'll see how that pans out. We'll see if Benfica continues to get lucky. But uh, I mean, I'm not really too worried about them. I'm more worried about us. We just need to string it together and get better yeah. up top. Because if we don't, then uh, it doesn't matter what we think of Benfica. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that it's going to demoralize them. Even I mean, they're they're. I think they've accepted the fact that well, they are out. So they accepted the fact that they are out of the out of the Champions League. I don't know if they're completely out of Europe. No, I don't think so. No, I don't believe so. So I mean, for the Portuguese, no, they're they're not out. Uh, they still have to play Salzburg. They're three points behind Salzburg. So they can get into the Europa League, which I think they should aim for. Um, and for the Portuguese coefficient's sake, uh, it would be good for that because as much as I hate Benfica and I hate Sporting and whatever, but you know, I kind of want them to do somewhat well in Europe. And I, we need to do well in Europe too to maintain that coefficient. So it's easier for us, all of us, to get into the Champions League because if we do have a bad season, which is finishing third place, we have a shot at qualifying for the Champions League. We need to have that again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say I'm rooting for them or whatever, but uh, for the sake of the coefficient, yes. But, you know, if, if they're not in it, you know, it's great. But I don't think it's going to hurt them in the league. It's a different competition. I think they, they've accepted the fact that they're not going to go into the knockout stages and they're a different team in the league than they are in the Champions League, even though they did pretty well in the Champions League the last couple of seasons. Carlos, at Carlos underscore A1381, why do you think Porto are struggling to score goals aside from our obvious misses? Do you think it's because teams in the league park the bus against us? I'll let you take that one. I just think we're lacking creativity in the, the central attacking midfield role. Um, I mean, like we expect this each and every season. Like they're they're gonna park the bus against us. It just that that's life. But we need to figure out solutions to to break that down. And w- without that creative midfielder, we're, we're not able to break it down. Yeah, I, I've said in the past. I I think Varela and Stocky are very good. I think they're very solid. But at the end of the day, they don't offer that creativity. Yep. Craig at Craig Twelve Portista. What do you guys think the issue is with the lack of goals? Is it that Teremi's head is just not with Porto anymore? The injuries? I say give Navarro a decent chance. Also, also, why not try Wendell and Wendell from Porto B, not left back Wendell. He's got seven <laughs> goals in six games. And Danny Namaso, the options are there to change things. Yeah, I mean, I think the options are there. I don't think we even need to go to the B team. I think Navarro deserves a legit chance. Yeah, but I, I like, like I said, the same thing with even Nilsson. I don't think Navarro is a solo striker. I don't. I didn't watch too much of him last season. I did watch his highlights, but I don't know what formation he lined up in. So, yeah, I don't know. I think just think he's another small guy. He needs to be <clears throat> if he's duoed with somebody. I think he'll be all right. But to be solo is not the way. I don't think. I don't think it'd be effective, especially with these teams packing in. It in against them now because maybe last season you obviously got to play against different defenses. Yeah, yeah. No, well said. I think uh, you know I'm 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 on board with that, and I think it's and I, I can just add this question too uh, for you to answer. For me, I think it. I think if we can get rid of Tedemi in January, we just get rid of him. Uh, even if yeah. it's five, eight, ten, or twelve million euros. 
I'm curious just, two million at this point. Just get something, man, for him because yeah. I don't think he's in it anymore. And yeah. not that I fault him or I blame him or anything. I think he needs a fresh start, and I think we need to part ways with it. It happens in football. You know, players don't last forever, and sometimes they go stale, and sometimes the club goes stale or it goes both ways, and that's just how it is. I love Tademi. I think he's a wonderful player, but I think this year for this team, it's just not working out, so – um, and yeah, I think we got to try out these other players. I mean, and I, I hope if it does come to this, I hope, um, Fran Navarro's confidence isn't shot because I think he came into yeah. the season thinking that he was going to be playing a lot more than yeah, he has. And I think it's, I think they did the kid dirty on this one. I think, I mean, given yep. the fact that we had an agreement in January and we took him away from Braga from leaving and he comes here and yeah. he doesn't even play. Like he was supposed to go to Braga in January after after Braga yep. sold Vitinha. And he's just on the bench. He could be playing Champions League football and he could be playing at Braga and getting reps. I don't know. I don't know wh- where he would rather be. And I hope his confidence isn't shot and I hope he's not super frustrated about what's been going on. Absolutely. Matt's at Matt's Attack 9. What does Conceição see in Andre Franco? Because to me, he is a bum. Also, where do you stand? <laughs> I, I don't want to uh, say he's a I don't bum. Think he's a, I don't think he's a bum. I think he's well, just he's reliable. He's reliable, man. Sergio loves reliable guys. Yeah, but uh, it's a safe. I can I, I can kind of get I can kind of get where he's coming from. I don't want to see him starting in these games. I think with all no. the attackers that we have, we have way too much firepower, and we don't even play. We don't even play him in his natural position. Okay, he's a number yeah. ten, a pure number ten. He needs to be behind a striker or both strikers. So I don't think we're doing justice on his part either. That. He's being played in the midfield or out in the wing. I don't think that's his that's his forte. I don't know. I mean, he, there's no reason he should with Chiku playing the way he's playing. So, Yeah, and then adding to the midfield too, it's just, I don't know. I think we have a lot more yeah. uh, that we should be using instead of him. Yeah. ACM87 at FCP87. Glad you guys are back. Uh, why, in your opinion, can't Porto score a free kick or a corner kick? I know we did this week, but it's frustrating when we have so many chances and do nothing with them. Yeah. Yeah. Set pieces are part of the game, and they can be essential when, you, when you're when you in desperate need of a goal. But, um, yeah, I, when was the last time we scored from a free kick? Uh, probably Vitinha days, but before that was like Alex Telsch had quite a bit of set pieces. Yep. Yeah, we don't have that guy that that no. delivers great, great crosses or anything. Like Fabio, we had we had so many people that could cross the ball so well over the years. Like even Fabio Vieta, man, that that ball yep. came off his foot so nice. Uh, Vitinha, Luis Diaz, Alex Telsch, my God, man, look and. We have like fucking Wendell taking free kicks and and jeez, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, there's a lack of quality in the final third for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think it's all of the above. We don't have a great taker, and we just don't get on. We don't just we don't get behind the ball and get it in the back of the net. I, I don't know what else to say. It's just it's bizarre. I feel like it's been a while since we've been pretty dominant in set pieces. 
Michael Teixeira at Tuga Cycling 916. What will it take for Sergio to stop playing Taremi? He's obviously not in it, and we invested in quality striker Navarro. Yeah, just pretty much what we've been saying. Navarro is, uh, I don't know if he's frustrated or whatnot, but something's got to come out of this situation because I don't think it's going to be good for for Navarro, and it's not really good for us if he doesn't play because we're not really getting the performances, the performances and the results that we, that we are hoping from Teremi and even even Nielsen. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it, it's that simple. Teremi uh, needs to go see the bench and sell them in January ASAP and get these other guys playing as soon as possible. And we need to build them up. Like we, we have no other choices. Yep. Teremi is not the solution. It's we're, it's eleven games in, people. We need we need to figure something out. Yep. Last question comes from Mister Porto at Porto, Mister. What needs to change in your opinion? Why are we not playing better football? I don't think we have the quality. Yeah, I, and, I mean, and I think the the biggest issue is that final third, man. That when you have a good final, when you have a good attacking front in sync, you relieve so much pressure off the midfield and defense. But at this moment, we're relying so much on the midfield and defense to carry games. So we, we need better quality up top, stop making stupid decisions, better decisions, and we need goals. You need to relieve pressure from those guys. Those guys are on their their toes for 90 minutes. Like it's tough not to make one mistake. Like you lost to Istoril 1 0. I mean, you didn't give us a goal. Yeah, when we should have scored three I'm at sorry. least in yeah. that game. I'm I'm sorry. You, you need to score goals. Yep. And I think we missed a penalty in that game as well. Yep. Yes, we did. Yeah. I mean, I know some people are frustrated with, with Sergio and his tactics, and they get upset about the 4 4 2. We've talked about this. It's never really a four-four-two. It always changes throughout the match. And I don't want to say that Sergio's always right. I know that he can be stubborn in terms of his approach and even the starting eleven that he throws out there all the time. That he's he's pretty loyal to certain players. Um, and it, it can be like players like Teremi can be frustrating to see that. But I don't really want to blame too. I don't want to put too much blame on his approach and tactics because. Had Galenu scored that goal, that was a beautiful pass from Teremi against Guimaraes this past weekend, it would have been 3-1. to one. And then we're talking about, wow, we scored two goals in the second half. We we got our opportunities and whatnot. Like, how many times have we seen this year, whether it's Ivan Nielsen, whether it's Teremi, whether it's whoever's up top, Galenu, missing great opportunities. Pepe, how many times has Pepe missed, a, like, a golden opportunity? Sitters. You know, Sitters. I think it was the penalty. I think it was the penalty in the Champions League that we got against Antwerp, right? It was absolutely ridiculous how it. The penalty was a penalty, but Pepe should have scored on the first shot where the, we got um, the rebound, and that's when we got the penalty on the foul from the rebound. So yeah. it's we have to score these opportunities and not get ourselves score a goal instead of winning a penalty following after. Like we need to put these balls away. And I think it would be completely different had the all these players on their day finish and do the job that that they're supposed to do up top. 
No, we would be saving points. We would be putting up more goals. We would be relieving a lot more pressure from the midfield and the defense throughout the games. It's, you know, I, I, I know Sergio's not perfect on his tactics, but I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of inclined on blaming the players, especially up top, in terms of just not capitalizing and squandering so many opportunities. And then I the mean, de- and the defense also they're just letting up dumb dumb goals. It's not like quality goals from our positions for the most part. It's it's like mental lapses that don't make sense. I mean, a prime example is Sergio's game plan was was beautiful against Barcelona, but the players just couldn't execute and score the goal they needed. Yeah. Like, there was nothing else you could ask to Sergio. It was it was executed beautifully. He knew exactly what he had to do to stop Barcelona from playing their game. They they looked like they were just in shambles that whole game. They they had no identity. They couldn't play the way they wanted to play, and they had one. One player that was able to do anything as Porto, João Felix. Other than that, they, all their players were basically playing handcuffed because of the, the pressing and the great defense that Porto had. But at the end of the day, we didn't score a goal and we let Barcelona hang around and they scored and that was game, set, match. Yeah, and I mean, think about... And, and here's an example. In the Vizela match, we got two goals in the first half and the game ended two to nothing. The second half wasn't anything like spectacular, but we maintained control of the game. Sergio didn't play aggressive where like, oh, let's go for three, four, and five and put us in positions. Like, no, he put us in a position in the second half to just control this game, be a bit conservative, and not to make any mistakes. Like, we need to put ourselves in these positions of getting early goals, getting early leads, and not making dumb mistakes. We have to take the pressure off the midfield and the defense. And we haven't been doing that. And look at that. Look at how that game turned out. We got two goals going into halftime. We were much more comfortable. It was a much less stress-free game, even though it wasn't a beautiful second half. But I'll take that over everything that we've been seeing. And it, all of that has been a result to just not finishing when we're supposed to, for the most part. So, I, I mean, there's only so much blame that we can put on Sergio. But I think the players especially the attackers, they have to do much better at putting the ball away. You know, it's kind of been the story of the, of the season so far. I don't know, Jason, any last words before we wrap things up? Porto have to step it up. Yeah. And hopefully not kill each other too at the uh, auditorium on Monday. So, but we'll get an episode in touch up on that whole disaster that happened yesterday at the assemblea so stay tuned to that episode we'll have a special guest as well so thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the portu podcast in english follow us on twitter at fc portu pod eng on instagram portu pod eng on facebook the portu podcast in english and if you like the show hit the five stars leave a review it helps us grow We really appreciate it, and we will see you all on the next episode.